the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome. You are listening to Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston, New England's oldest African-American church. Hope and Faith Ministry features the inspirational sermons of my father, Dr. Wesley Roberts, Senior Pastor at People's Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. Dr. Roberts has a powerful message of hope and love for your life and mine. Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston. Good morning to my People's Baptist Church family, and good morning to our guests and friends who have joined us. Welcome to this worship service today, coming to you from the historic sanctuary of People's Baptist Church of Boston. It's a delight to to know that we have a people all across the world um, participating in this service. We, this is a, a snowy day in Boston, and um, uh, we are thankful to God that he enabled those of us who are in the sanctuary to get here uh, this morning. The title of the message today is How to Move from Failure to Success. How to Move from Failure to Success. We live in a success-driven culture. Success has almost become our national religion. Everyone wants and expects to be successful. Christians and and the church are not exempt. We are all okay as long as we feel that we are successful. But the inescapable fact is that sooner or later, every one of us will fail at something. Failure is a universal experience. J. Wallace Hamilton in a Leadership Magazine article states, the increase of suicides, alcoholics, and even some forms of nervous breakdowns is evidence that many people are training for success when they should be training for failure. Failure is far more common than success. All of us need to understand how to deal with failure. It is impossible for us to be successful all the time. Therefore, it would be helpful for us to know what the Bible tells us about failure. You see, many of us have been sold a bill of goods by preachers and others that if we serve God, our lives will be a complete success and we will never fail. Well, the failure of human beings is as old as the human race. It goes all the way back to our first parents, Adam and Eve. They blew the opportunity to live a carefree life in paradise. When they gave in to the temptation to disobey God, they lost their home in the Garden of Eden. 
They lost their innocence, they lost their peace of mind, and they lost their joy. Scripture is filled with stories of people whom God restored after they experienced failure. Noah failed. He was found by his children a drunken state naked. Abraham failed. Jacob failed. Samson failed. Moses failed. David failed. Peter failed. The greatest saints in the Bible had their times of failure. And what did God do? He gave them a second chance and a third and a fourth and as many as were needed in order to establish them in the purpose that he wanted for them. God does not give up easily on people, and we should be glad about that. See, can you imagine how difficult life would be if God was as hard on our mistakes and failures as some of us are on the mistakes and failures of other people? Matthew 26, 31 through 35, tells a story of how Peter, the spokesman among the disciples, denied knowing Jesus three times after boasting that even if everyone else denied him, he would not. So listen to Matthew's account. On the way, that is on the way to the Passover feast, Jesus told them, tonight all of you will deny me. Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter. This very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you ever know me. No, Peter insisted. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. But let's continue a little bit uh, further. In verses 9 through 75, uh, after Jesus was arrested, uh, we read, Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over and said to him, You were one of those with Jesus, the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Later on, by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it, and this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. A little later, some of the other bystanders came up or came over to Peter and said, You must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you ever know me. And he went away weeping bitterly. Peter, under pressure and in fear of his life, 
caved in and denied that he knew Jesus, not once but three times. Like most of us, Peter went through a period of deep remorse when he realized that he had failed his Lord. I'm sure he longed for the opportunity to prove that he could be faithful again to his Lord. The good news from Peter's experience is that failure did not prevent him from getting on with his life of serving God. I believe that there are three principles that enabled Peter to move from failure to success. And the first is that failure unites us all. Failure unites us all. Nothing so links us here on earth to one another as our imperfections. Failure has a way of pointing out our imperfections. We are told, or at least made to feel from youth through adulthood, that we must be perfect, we must be strong, we must never show any weaknesses, we must always be successful. And that has created guilt feelings of all kinds in us. The fact is that all of us have imperfections. Some of us eat too much. Some of us talk too much, which often leads to lying. Some of us spend too much time uh, accumulating unnecessary, well, spending and accumulating unnecessary debt. Some of us give too little, robbing God of his tithes and offerings. You see, none of us is perfect. Even those we consider great have known their share of failure. For example, Walt Disney was fired in his early career from a newspaper because they thought he did not have any creative ideas. Thomas Edison failed more than a thousand times in his attempt to invent the light bulb before he was successful. He later wrote these words, when everyone else is giving up on a problem, that is the time to begin. Abraham Lincoln had a, had a string of failures. Let me just mention some of them before you know, success came, came to him. In 1831, he failed in business. In 1832, he was defeated for the Illinois legislature. In 1833, he again failed in business. In 1834, he was elected to the legislature. In 1836, he had a nervous breakdown. In 1844, he was defeated for Congress. In 1846, he was elected to Congress. And in 1848, he ran for re-election to Congress and was defeated. In 1855, he was defeated for the Senate. And in 1858, he was again defeated for the Senate. But in 1860, as a result of him persisting, he was elected president of the United States. So the question that we have to ask is, when is a failure a failure? When you quit trying. All of us have the potential to overcome any problems, mistakes, or misfortunes. A musician and composer was at a low point in his life. He saw himself as a total failure. His money was gone. His creditors had seized his belongings. And he was facing the threat of debtor's prison. 
The stress in his life literally paralyzed him. He couldn't walk or move or feel anything on his right side. For a brief time, he considered giving in and giving up. But he decided to try one more time, returning to what he knew best, writing music. In the midst of despair, George Frederick Handel wrote The Messiah, an oratorio considered to be the greatest piece of religious music ever written. Once a person experiences failure, that person becomes vulnerable to failures of all types. Some people begin to wonder if they can ever do anything but fail. They lose their confidence. Sometimes they begin to doubt that God can ever help them again. One of the most familiar stories Jesus told was about a young man and his failure to handle life. We have nicknamed him the prodigal son. But Jesus never called him that. He just referred to him as the younger son. This young man took his inheritance and set out to see the world. His goals were, in today's parlance, wine, women, and song. And when he finally came to his senses, his money was gone, his friends were gone, and he could no longer afford a place to live. The young man became willing to settle for just being what we could call a slave because that is what looking after pigs was for a Jew. That is what failure will do if it is not handled properly. There may be some listening to me today who have settled for mediocrity in life because they have made themselves believe that anyone who is a liar, a cheat, a drunk, a bad parent, or a person with a prison record does not dissolve another chance. Because you have made some mistakes, you're convinced that you will have to pay for the rest of your life. Peter would say, you are not the only person to make big mistakes. Failure unites us all, and God is a merciful God. In Psalm 103, 8 to 10, David says, The Lord is merciful and gracious. He is slow to get angry and full of unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us or remain angry forever. He has not punished us for all our sins, nor does he deal with us as we deserve. But secondly, Peter would say failure is written in pencil. Failure is written in pencil. Grace is God's word for a second chance. Grace is a gift that no one earns or deserves. Grace enables God's salvation to be offered to anyone who will receive it. Grace is more than a word. It is a gift which God offers to every person. One of the great fallacies we buy into is the idea that people cannot change. 
But nothing could be further from, from the truth. People are about the only thing in creation that can be changed. If you have a negative trait in your personality that impairs your ability to relate to other people, you can make a change. If you have a deficiency in learning, it can be corrected by attending school. If you have a weight problem, it can be corrected by a change of diet and exercise. People can change. God's grace means that our tomorrows do not have to be carbon copies of our yesterdays. What do you want to change about your personality? What do you want to change about your relationships? What do you want to change about your spiritual life? Grace says that you don't have to stay the way you are for the rest of your life. Through God's grace, you have the capacity to change any area of your life. In the 1960s, some of you might remember that time if you are old enough, but in the 1960s, the American Red Cross was gathering supplies, medicine, clothing, and food for the suffering people of Biafra, eastern Nigeria, because of a civil war. A box arrived with a note saying, I have recently been converted and will never need these again. Can you use them? Inside the box were several Ku Klux Klan sheets. The sheets were later cut up into into strips and used to bandage the wounds of the injured in Biafra. This was a dramatic symbol of God's grace. He changed sheets that were the symbol of racism and hate into bandages of love. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17 and 18 says, Anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. The past is forgotten and everything is new. God has done it all. Things in our life that need to be changed can be changed because failure is written in pencil, but God's grace is written in permanent ink. But thirdly, Peter would say, God's grace changes our view of failure forever. Whatever your problem may be today, whatever failure you have struggled with, it is not as hopeless as it appears. You may have been in the middle of despair for so long that you have lost your perspective of of, uh, reality. Maybe you have gotten hooked on feeling sorry for yourself, that you just can't help yourself anymore. Maybe you believe that you're just going to have to live with guilt and shame forever. That is simply not the case. God's grace erases failure forever. Peter experienced the power of God's forgiving grace. In Mark 16, verse 7, the angel at Jesus' empty tomb told the women who had come to, to anoint his body. He says, Now go and tell his disciples, and especially Peter, that he will go ahead of you to Galilee, and you will see him there just as he told you. 
This special reference to Peter is an encouraging note of compassion and assurance that when we fail, God still remembers and cares for us. In John 21, 15 through 17, we have the account of Peter's restoration. It says, when Jesus and his disciples had finished eating, and this was after the resurrection, he asked Simon, son of John, do you love me more than the others do? Simon Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know I do. Then feed my lambs, Jesus said. Jesus asked a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. Jesus told him. Jesus asked a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him three times if he loved him. So he told Jesus, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus replied, feed my sheep. The failed Peter, now restored, became a mighty preacher of the gospel. And on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people responded to his invitation to accept Jesus Christ and were baptized. And not only that, but Peter has been a blessing to us right now as we look at First and Second Peter, his letters that have been written and which I've, I've preached from so many times. There's a saying that goes, failures who give up are a dime a dozen. Failures who get up are one in a million. God's grace gives us the ability to overcome failure. That's because failure is written in pencil and God's grace is written in permanent ink. God can erase our failures. God can take our failures and make them into something good. If you have failed God, Ask him to forgive you and to help you to get back on your feet and to use you in whatever way he sees fit. First John chapter 1, 8 and 9 says, If we say that we have not sinned, we are fooling ourselves, and the truth isn't in our hearts. But if we confess our sins to God, he can always be trusted to forgive us and take our sins away. I thank God today for the sufficiency of his grace. His grace is what makes heavy burdens bearable. His grace is what makes painful sufferings endurable, big disappointments faceable, and daily pressures manageable. God's grace can transform our failures into success, our sorrows into joy, our duties into delights, our deficiencies into sufficiencies, and our frustrations into faith. It is God's grace that allows us to live another day. It is God's grace that sees us through another circumstance. It is God's grace that keeps us safe in the midst of the storm, that gives us strength equal to our task, that provides wisdom for our problems and comfort in times of despair. The good news is that God's grace is available to everyone. There are no waiting lines. Nobody is ever turned away. 
All one must do is ask. No references are needed and no resume is required. There are no established hours. You are as welcome at midnight as well as at midday. God is never too busy to hear your requests nor to satisfy your need. Whatever your circumstances may be, God's grace can transform them. Whatever the future may hold for you, God's grace will be sufficient. Whatever sorrow you may have to face, God's grace will be sufficient. Whatever failures may yet be ahead of you, God's grace will always be sufficient for you. No wonder John Newton called it amazing grace. Amazing grace, how sweet a sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. Thank God. Amen. Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org. And tune in every Saturday morning at 1030 for another inspiring message of hope and faith. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.